morning. try that one more time. Good morning. That's better. Is everyone doing good? Did everybody say hi to the person next to you with your elbow? Say hi. Socially distanced. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're glad you're here today. So just feel free to just enjoy Jesus this morning. Done this one quite a bit. Goes like this. Hold your heart. Stirs your soul. 
but matters come to mind. What cares you keep, the thoughts you think, it's not all wasted time. different than the quarantine on the couch. It is different. 
But you've always been dancing. So. That's true. <laughs> That's a good thing. Oh, the next song we're going to do uh, is a really wonderful way to remember how Jesus just he comes in and he works with us where we're at. And then all of a sudden he says, okay, I'm going to take you to another place. And he starts working in us and pretty soon before we know it, we're like, whoa, I didn't want to go there. And he did that to our family a few years back. He, uh, we were settled in Denver. We were living there. I was working at a church. And things were going really well. And all of a sudden, God called us to Alaska out of nowhere. And I dug my heels in. I said, oh, no, I mean, I've been, I've been praying that, you know, I would go wherever you wanted me to go, Lord, and I'll do this. And that's fine. I'll go wherever. And then when he said Alaska, I said, well, except there. <laughs> and he always does that. He takes us where we least expect it. He's done that in this season when Brian and Sarah moved on and he took them to a new place and he's done it with us. And what I, one thing I learned from that was after I quit resisting and after I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, Lord, because I want to be obedient. I want to do what you ta- called me to do, but I'm really scared. And I got there and God started showing me all sorts of things he was doing in me and in our family, in the community that we were in. And he did some really amazing things through that experience. And he's going to be doing amazing things here. He's already started. When Pastor Tim came in, he started doing new things. And then the quarantine came, and he kept doing new things. And sometimes it's the least way that we expect it. So I want to encourage you to go to the place that he's calling us to. He's calling us higher. He's calling us into a new place. And that's okay. He's got a plan. Don't dig your heels in like I did. It wasn't, it wasn't smart. <laughs> and then once he gets us there, it's really a beautiful thing. So we should be excited in that. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. I could just stay, and I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. Is that how you feel? Doesn't feel like he's around.
holds. And I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. And I could be safe, I could be safe here in your arms and never leave them, never let these walls down. But you have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you Good news. I will be yours. I will be yours for all my life. No matter what. I will be yours. I will be yours for all my life. And I will be yours. I will be yours for all my life. Father, we thank you that that is true. That we could never do anything wrong enough 
or we could never do anything good enough to change that. That we will be your children, your sons and your daughters, for all the rest of this life. And there is a day coming when this life will change and it will be a glorious, eternal life. So Father, we open ourselves again up to all that You have, how You are calling us deeper. You're calling us to take off the training wheels. You're calling us to let go of the side of the pool. You're calling us into places where we are completely out of control and reminded that You are God and that we are not. And we never were. So we submit before You again. We're trying to trust You. We're trying to hold on to You. And we admit today that it is hard. It is hard. And we get our eyes on ourselves and our circumstances. So we look again and we lift our eyes up again to you this morning. And we all say together, Amen. Isaiah 40. says this, Isaiah 40, 25, To whom will you compare me, says God? Who is my equal, asks the Holy One. Look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of His great power, an incomparable strength, not a single star is missing. O Jacob, O little Woodland Park Nazarene Church, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say that He doesn't see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never considered? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God. He is the everlasting God, the Creator of all. All that was and is and is to come. He never grows tired. He doesn't grow weak. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. Pay attention. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. It doesn't say that you're going to get everything you want. It says that He will renew your strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. 
He is the everlasting God. The one who knows and has put every star in place. Todd, are you so egotistical to think that He doesn't know what's going on in your life? Do you think He has no idea? Hello? He is the everlasting God. Let's stand. We're going to bring the energy up a little bit. And let's, let's say that several times in a song. That He is the everlasting God and He doesn't get tired. Even of you. Know it. Here it goes. The strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. I wait upon the Lord. The strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord as we wait upon the
big? Is he big like that to you? You ever picture him on his throne? And the fact that he can still handle this over here and this over here. I have a hard time multitasking in my kitchen. So that's just mind-boggling to me that he's that big. You know, I'm really grateful. You guys can sit down. I am super grateful that we have had these last five months with Pastor Tim. Today's his last Sunday. He walked in smiling. I told him, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh, because we sure have loved having him here. And I know you guys haven't been able to be here, but yes, he's been a blessing to us. Huge blessing. We're very grateful. God landed him here on purpose to get us through the season. I don't know if anyone else could have. This was tough. It is not easy to preach in front of the worship team. (laughs) And we'd amen, but it wasn't the same. And he did that. And then he led us through our board meetings. And he led us through our staff meetings. And he was so encouraging. And he brought a lot of wisdom that he doesn't know he brought. He's very humble, and he doesn't know that. But I am thankful he was here. And I know that Mackenzie was thankful, and Scott was thankful, and Pastor Greg was thankful. And these two together are just, we teased them that they were like the Muppet guys. You remember them? We said, we're going to get you two together to do a skit with that. (laughs) But we are so thankful for you, Pastor Tim. You have taught us well. You have led us well, and we are thankful that you're still going to be coming here. Although it be in a (laughs) t-shirt, we're good with that. So we want to, I'm just going to pray over him today. So if you just stretch your hand out over him, we're just going to pray over him. And and Lord, we just thank you for Pastor Tim. Thank you for his ministry. Thank Thank you for pouring into him your word and your wisdom. And thank you for his example of being a godly leader and a godly man. And Lord, I just pray that you will bless him. I just pray that you'll bless him in, in upcoming ministries that you have coming for him. And um, pray, I pray for him and Jane that you will just let them have a wonderful, sweet time. And Lord, I just thank you that he gets to stay at our church. Other churches don't see him very much after he leaves and, and serves there, but we get to keep him and, and see him once in a while. So we're thankful for that. And Lord, I just pray that you'll bless them with health. I pray that you'll bless their lives with with new places to serve, that you'll give them joy, that you'll give them peace. And Lord, um, continue to use him in people's life. So we, we are so grateful for that. Thank you for bringing him here during this season and for being so good about showing us that you're paving a path right in front of us. We thank you for that. I pray for you to anoint him this morning as he gives us your word. How precious it is that we get to hear it out loud. And Lord, I'm thankful for his teaching. And I just pray that you will give him a fresh, new anointing this morning. And um, let our hearts be open to learn and to to hear what it is that you are trying to say to us personally. Because you are a very personal God. So we thank you for that, Lord. Bless the rest of our morning, Lord. And we love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Let me do a couple of uh, things this morning before I speak. Just kind of housekeeping stuff, if I can do that. And 
and to begin by just thanking you. It is so good to see you here this morning. And I said it last week, but I think we should just keep these chairs spread out like this all the time because it looks so good when the building looks full wall to wall like this and it looks great. A couple of things I want to mention to you. You know that our new pastor will hit town this Thursday. I've been in contact with him and he thinks he'll be here Thursday evening. And a couple of things we still need to do regarding the parsonage. One is uh, cleaning the inside of it. They've still been painting, working on that. The carpet will not be replaced before he gets here, but soon after. So we need some cleaning in there. Somebody with some mighty powerful vacuum cleaners, perhaps. If you can help with cleaning the parsonage this week, or if you can help with some work outside the parsonage, if you can do any of those things, if you would see the Ramses, uh, Ramses they would uh, be happy to point you in the right direction to get those things taken care of. Also, we have a glass top electric range over there. If someone would like to have that, it works and it's free. And if you'll talk with the Rumseys, they will uh, help you arrange to pick that up. Then the last thing regarding the parsonage and the new pastor coming, I, I, I'm encouraging you to help and let's continue to work to put all the food we can get into that pantry before they get here. If you can just drop it by the church or by the uh, parsonage, if you see... If you see the Rumsey's truck sitting there, you can take it inside. Otherwise, just bring it here and let's do our... It's a, I didn't realize how big that pantry was when I said, let's fill the pantry. It's about the size of our bedroom. So if you could help, you know, get a 50-pound bag of rice and a 100-pound bag of beans. Because he loves Mexican food is what I understand. So if you could do that. As you leave today... You will see offering plates back there on tables. And you may notice that, or have noticed last week, that we didn't say anything about the offering. Oh, that is a cardinal sin among ministers, not to mention the offering. And I'm praying that today you'll help us with that as you go. We haven't been passing the plates because they say that's not a good thing to do with COVID. So if you could help us with that offering... On that table, you're going to find a little card I put together. Uh, in all my years of pastoral ministry, I always felt it was helpful if the people in the church knew what their money was being spent for. And this little card is to try to give you that information, what it goes for. And as you look at the card, you'll see that right about 50% of what comes in goes to pay staff persons. We have more people around here on staff than you might know, just two that I would consider full-time. One would be our new pastor, and the other would be McKenzie, who does two part-time jobs to make it a full-time job. And then we have part-time people at work. So about 50% of what we give goes to take care of our people. And we have no greater asset than the people that work for us and minister for us here through the church. But you'll also see the mortgage payment, $28,000 a year and uh, employee benefits and office, all those things are there. And then you'll notice down at the bottom that our budget for this church year that we are in is $401,000, which means we need $7,711 every week in order to be able to pay all of the bills that we as a church are able to 
to uh, generate. So now, if you take this, and then we print up a little bulletin that shows you occasionally how much came in last week, you'll be able to put it up against this and say, okay, I need to do a little more. Or, and just so you know, the month of May was a tough month for us. Uh, we brought in about 47% of what we need on a monthly basis. So your help through January, through January, yeah, and June and July would be greatly appreciated. One other bit of uh, housekeeping is just, Mackenzie, would you come and join me here? Tomorrow is Mackenzie's birthday. And... Uh, This is just a card and uh, some chocolates that I'd like to come by and help you eat. <laughs> Listen, I tell my daughters and my grandchildren every time I see them and I hug them, I always whisper in their ear, you know you're my favorite. That's what I always tell them. They don't believe me anymore, but I tell them that anyway. So I say, when I say, you know you're my favorite, they always say, oh yeah, Grandpa, we know. So I'm just telling you, you know you're my favorite. And we're glad you're here. Thank you, Mackenzie. God bless you. Happy birthday. Now, do I have any children here today? Four years, five years? Would you come and see me up here if I have any kids? Do I have any kids? Come see me. Come and visit with me for a minute. I'm not going to bite, not going to hurt you. Come on up. We'll just sit here for a minute and talk. Okay? Come on. How you doing? Good to see you. How you doing? Look at these girls, these pretty girls, these handsome guys. You all doing okay today? So, are you guys enjoying summer yet? Are you? You glad to be out of school even though you weren't in school very long? What do you think? Are you ready to go back to school? See your friends? Have fun with them? Have some time with them? Are you ready? Ready to do that? Are you? Well, I'll bet you are. When you come to church and you sit back there with your parents or your family, do you like doing that or do you like being in children's church better? You can be honest with me. I can take it. Huh? Children's church? Kind of like going back there, don't you? You haven't been to Children's Church yet? Well, we've got to get you there. You're going to enjoy that. Let me ask you something I should never ask ladies. How old are you? Six? How old are you? Five? You're five? Are you? And how old are you? You're five too. And how old are you? Five. Three five-year-olds right there. My goodness. And how old are you? Seven, you're the oldest one here. How old are you? Six. Six, you're the old man here. This is your brother? It is your brother. How old are you? Seven. Seven, I got two seven-year-olds. How old are you? How old? Four. You're four. Man, I'm glad to see you guys. Are some of you sitting back at those tables where we have the crayons and the, and the pages you can color? Are any of you doing that? Are you? You're doing that? So you'll be coloring while I'm preaching this morning? Is that what you'll be doing? You know what? Some of these older people will be doing the same thing. They do. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I look out there, 
and they're on their cell phone and they're doing this or they got a pencil out and they try to make me think that they're taking notes on the sermon but they're not they're writing down the grocery list or the to-do list or the things that they want to do when they get home so that's what they do did any of you come up and get in the pastor's pouch last Sunday huh none of you none of you were here last Sunday Oh, you've got to come right after church. You've got to come and see me. Because I've got a pouch full of stuff for you guys. Will you do that? Right after church is over, will you come and see me? Because I've got something for every one of you today. Okay? Let me pray for you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for our young friends here today. I pray your blessing upon them. That you would protect them and keep them. That they would sense your love that they would just kind of feel you hugging them up close to you and hearing you say, you know you are my favorite. Father, bless them, I pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can go back and sit with your families now, but come and see me after church, okay? Good to see you all. There's a uh, video of a commercial that all of you have seen a number of times and it is very familiar because of that and I'd like you to look at it again today would you run that commercial recently when I became deathly ill I was able to summon an ambulance my next-door neighbor my family and my doctor without picking up a telephone I used this remote control to contact life call my 24-hour emergency medical response service what? You just press this button and speak into the air and... I'm having chest pain. I'm calling paramedics and your family, Mr. Miller. I've fallen and I can't get up. And I can't get up. And I can't get up. Okay, we messed with that commercial a little bit. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Listen to what it says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. You may not know that he invented the microphone. You do know that he invented talking movies and the incandescent light bulbs. That he had over a thousand patents to his name. But Thomas Edison worked on another invention for ten years Ten years working to try to create, to perfect some little device that would be able to store power. Some kind of a power source that wasn't connected to anything else. Some sort of a little power pack. Now today, batteries are all over the place. You charged one before you came to church today, and it's probably in your pocket, or it's out in the car. It's there on the back of your cell phone. And yet this guy sat at his desk for 10 years trying to figure out how to create what we take for granted. 
And at the same time, he was working on the phonograph. For those of you under 50, the phonograph is this machine that you put a little black plastic piece of vinyl on and it spins and you put a needle on it and it plays music. Records. Do any of you still have records at home? Oh, God bless you. We have some people who listen to real vinyl. But that hadn't been invented yet. So at the same time he's working on the battery, he's trying to figure out how to create this thing that would let you record voices or music and then play it back. He's working on those things until that night in December 1914. And here's the story. He was working on this battery and his finances had been greatly strained by all of the things he was working on. And on that particular evening, spontaneous combustion broke out in his film room. So that within minutes, all of the packing compounds and all of the celluloid for records and film and other flammable goods, all of that stuff went up in flames. And the fire consumed all of his workshops, which, of which there were several. Fire companies came from eight surrounding towns and they arrived, but the heat was so intense that they couldn't get close enough to it and the water pressure was so low that any attempt they made to put out the flame was futile. Everything was destroyed. And Edison was 67 years old. He's standing and watching all of his assets, all of his life's work going up in flames. The damage exceeded in that day over a million dollars. But he only had his workshops and his buildings, he only had them insured for 200000 because they were made of concrete, which he thought would be fireproof. So the inventor's 24-year-old son, Charles, Charles was there, and he recalls the story, and this is what Charles says. On that night, I searched frantically for my father. I finally found him standing as close to the flames as humanly possible, calmly watching everything go up in front of him. His face was glowing in the reflection of the flames, his white hair blowing back because of the intense heat. My heart ached for him. He was an old man, no longer young. Everything he had worked for, everything he had been working on was gone. When Dad saw me, he shouted, Charles, do you know where your mother is? When I told him I did not know, he said, Go find her and bring her here right next to me. She's never going to see anything like this as long as she lives. That night there wasn't any sleep. We stood and watched the fire consume everything my dad had worked for. As daylight came, the next morning, the family gathered. Dad was walking around the ashes and the ruins that were still smoldering. And then all of us were in a circle. And he said, there is great value in this disaster. All of our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can now start anew. Three weeks after the fire, Edison managed to deliver the first phonograph. 
And soon after that, the first what we now call the battery. All of my failures are gone. I can start anew. And I'm reminded of that dear old lady in that commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up. What happens when our world collapses around us? When failure comes? What is your greatest failure? What are your most embarrassing moments? What are the things that you pray to God no one ever finds out about? And what do you do about because sometimes we have no one to help us up from our failures or we're too embarrassed to ask someone I've fallen and I can't get up and as I pondered that question this week I found myself in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 verses 28 through 31 passage that Todd read for us earlier I, I had been reading in 2nd Kings chapter 19 now try to stay up with me here. I was reading there where Assyria is holding Jerusalem captive. They are holed up in their city. They are under siege. And the king, whose name is Hezekiah, he prays in verse 15. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. And Hezekiah prays. And it says, Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And then in verses 20 through 34, there is this most incredible prophecy spoken by Isaiah. I mean, you've got to go home and read that. You've got to read it in that context because it is powerful and it is encouraging. And I was so impressed by what Isaiah said there. And I realized that there in 2 Kings, Isaiah strolls into the history of Israel really for the first time. Oh, we're, we're going to read about him later, especially when we get to his own book. Because there, in his book, we hear more about Hezekiah as well. For it is there that we hear this, this other powerful proclamation by Isaiah, and it is again to, uh, to Hezekiah, when they're facing another powerful enemy. This time it's not Assyria, this time it's Babylon. But listen to what Isaiah says in this prophecy. When you've fallen and you can't get up, What's the answer? Here it is. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And His understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And that's where I find my answer to I've fallen and I can't get up. Do you not know? Have you not heard God through Isaiah speaking to Hezekiah gives us this special promise of strength during times of our own weakness and our own failures? When the business has burned down, 
when the church has gone through or is going through rough waters, when the kids are struggling, when divorce becomes part of our vocabulary, when disease rears its ugly head. Isaiah teaches us that people who wait on the Lord renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Why? Because failure is not final. And falling is not fatal. Don't you know? Haven't you heard The Lord wants us to understand that there is no lack of strength in Him. So you may struggle spiritually. And maybe you would confess that you don't have the greatest devotional life in all the world. But the Lord says, don't you know? The Bible says that the everlasting God, the Creator of the universe, is all-powerful. He has brought us through many dangers, toils, and snares. Don't assume that it's just coincidence that delivered you. We have to remember what God has done for us. And some of you might say, well, I can't really remember He's done anything that great for me. Well, if He hasn't done something great for you, look around you this morning at people in this room and remember the things He's done for some of them which were far greater than anything that has happened in your life so far. And be reminded that if He can do it for them, He can do it for you. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? God has all the strength that is necessary to escalate, to motivate, to move you up and out of your circumstances because He is the master of every situation. Are you here this morning? T.D. Jakes would be saying, oh, you're not ready for this. You're not ready for this. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? There is nothing too hard or too impossible for God. So that makes, that makes you wonder, makes me wonder, what you think is happening in your life. What circumstances are you going through that you think are beyond God's ability? What makes you think you can't get up when God is always willing to help you? This God that Isaiah speaks of is omnipotent. You know what that means? It means all-powerful. All-powerful. So that means if you're hungry, He has the cattle on a thousand hills, and the Scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If you're thirsty, He'll give you water from a stream of living water that will never run dry. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Listen, He knows the way you need to go in times of trouble. And when it's all over, the book says, you will come forth as pure gold. When we've fallen and we can't get up, we need to learn to lean on the Lord You remember that old chorus? Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean. Learning to lean on Jesus. We used to sing that and there was something about it that caused us to remember that we can lean into Him. And I wonder this morning how many born-again believers are still living, living defeated and unfulfilled lives, having no purpose or no meaning. When I left Denver First Church... It was January of 2009. 
And we left our home in Highlands Ranch and we moved to our cabin here where we've lived for the last uh, 11 years. And I got up in the morning and Jane and I would get in the car and we would drive up to McDonald's. And I remember once, one, one day we were driving back down Highway 24, getting ready to get, we were right at the exit where you get off to go down into Green Mountain Falls. And I remember saying to Jane, I don't have any purpose. I'm just sitting here on the banks of this creek, looking out the window and wondering, am I done? I was 60 years old, 61. And it was a few months after that that the district superintendent called and invited me to fill in at the church in La Junta. And I think I've mentioned this to you before. And so I started driving out there on Sunday mornings. Take us an hour and a half, two hours to get there. And I would preach for those people. And I had the time of my life. I, I, I was there over Easter. Man, I had banners printed up. I had uh, uh, placards printed up to put in all of the windows in the downtown businesses. I had little invitations printed up for them to give out to people. We were going to have the biggest day in the history of the Lahana Church of the Nazarene. Well, it didn't turn out exactly like that, but we had a big day. And it was wonderful. And I remember feeling that I had a sense of purpose. I could do this. I could, I could I could be an interim pastor. That, that would be okay. And I tell people that as an interim pastor, I have influence but no authority. Just the way I like it. You know? It was purpose. God has purpose for us. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? That the Lord wants you to lean on Him. And i tell you what I discovered at La Junta. I discovered from La Junta, I went to Seattle, Washington. And from Seattle, I went to Houston. And I see some of my friends from Houston here today. From the Living Word Church. And I went to Portland. And I went to Kansas City. And I served in Topeka. And, all, and here's what I discovered. God had given me the exact job I had always been looking for in ministry. Oh, I want to tell you, uh, if pastors knew how good it is to be an interim pastor, they'd all want to do what I do. It's the best job in the church. God has purpose for you. Don't you know haven't you heard that the Lord wants you to lean on Him? You know, there are people who like the pastor's preaching. And there are other people who are willing to put in a healthy offering on occasion. But then when it gets down to changing their life or living differently because of what the preacher says, that the Bible says, then they begin to back away. Oh, if that's what leaning into God means, maybe I don't want to be doing that. Some Christians prefer to lean on their own understanding. Oh, you're not ready for this. 
Are you with me? Are you here today? See, it's dark out there. I can't see you very well, but I can hear you if you speak up. Some of us like to lean on our own understanding and subconsciously believing that we are really, we really are smarter than God. And we've forgotten that verse that I've used time and again here that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Or there's this one in Proverbs 14.12 that says there is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end are the ways of death. Don't you know? Haven't you heard that if you seek the Word of the Lord about everything that concerns you, God will direct your paths. Oh, but I've fallen and I can't get up. Well, if that's the case, then you have to trust that the Lord will renew your strength. Because this verse passage says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I give power to the faint. When you can hardly stand up and you begin to stagger in the grip of sin or lust or strife, God says, I give you power in your weakness. Don't you know? Haven't you heard that the Lord said, I give power to the person, not the person who is standing strong, but the one who is swaying on wobbly knees. I'll give power to that person. If you look inside yourself and you can't muster the strength to get up, I will increase your strength. I'll give you power. I'll give you strength. My elderly friend in that old commercial didn't just need someone to help her up. She needed someone to make her strong. See, He gives power to the weak. He gives strength to you. When you're at the low ebb, when the enemy begins to attack you, remember the power of God that is residing within you. And when you do, your joy is going to be restored. And your power is going to be resurrected. I've fallen and I can't get up. Well, maybe then it's time that we learn to wait upon the Lord. Some of my favorite passages of Scripture deal with that issue of waiting. And I think it was my first Sunday here that I preached about sitting in a waiting room. Those verses give me hope. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Don't you aware of that need to wait upon the Lord? If you wait upon me, I'll renew your strength. You may be hurting right now from the fall, whatever it may have been for you. But if you wait on me, your help is on the way. You remember Samson? His story is somewhat like the story of Job. By that I mean... He was a man who had everything that he could possibly want. And then he got messing around with Delilah. And he lost his hair. That would be a big problem for me. I would get myself a big baseball cap real quick. He lost his strength. He lost his eyes. They were punctured out by the Philistines.